Hello and welcome back to another episode of ABA Unfiltered. Today I am joined by Sally Berglund. She is a market director with Blue Sprig. Um, she'll kind of give us a sense of what that means uh, in her role here at, at Blue Sprig. But you know, apart from being a, a fantastic clinician leader in our organization, Sally is also the sibling of, of someone with with autism. So we thought it'd be a really interesting conversation to have with Sally today to sort of walk a little bit through her life, uh, what it was like growing up, how it led her to where she is now and, and how it impacts her, her clinical life, as well as, you know, now that she and her brother are both adults, you know, sort of what, what is that interaction? What's that role in, in her life? Just to sort of give families out there a little bit of insight in, into maybe looking towards the future and, and you know, get it from from Sally's firsthand experience. So, Sally, thank you so much for for joining. I'm really I'm really happy to be able to chat with you today. Oh, thank you for having me. So, <laughs> Sally, yeah. give us a little bit of your background. Um, you know, sort of your your, your career wise, what you're doing here at Blue Sprague, and then we can sort of jump into the other stuff. So, what does it mean to be a market director? And sort of what your 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 daily life look like. Sure. So um, I am a BCBA based out of Portland, Oregon, and I oversee uh, more of the clinical quality um, in our organ centers, which we have four of them now, um, and Washington, as well as Colorado. So I'm there as clinical support for all of the, the clinical directors, um, making sure that um, that the centers are getting um, training support in a variety of um, strategies. Um, if there's a, a case that needs additional support, needs some extra um, troubleshooting, then I'm jumping in to support those cases. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to be able to get out into other states. It's kind of a newer role for me. I was just in Oregon when I started with Blue Sprig. And so branching out um, and hopefully with COVID restrictions lifting, I'll get to travel a little bit more. Yeah, that, that's great. And I know, you know, sort of up in the Pacific Northwest, it is a little bit of a challenge because there's a lot of different rules as you sort of intermix with the state lines. So I'm sure that's something that you know, keeps you on your toes uh, when it comes to try to managing, you know, three different uh, locations. So that's great. And, you know, we've known each other for a, a little bit now, and I've had a chance to to work with you. And I've been up, you know, Portland's probably the place I've visited the most. So I'll just say Portland, the Portland locations are my favorite. So, yes, you know, with, there you with, go. With, with no bias whatsoever. <laughs> so, okay. So thank you. So with that said, can you give it, you know, give us um, some, you know, some, some background on, you know, sort of, your family growing up and, and you know, sort of what it meant to, to be a sibling uh, to someone with autism. Sure. So I grew up in Southern California um, and, you know, child of the late 80s. Um, my brother is just 13 months younger than me. So we're very close in age. And I have an older sister as well, who's only a year and a half older than me. So I am smack like down triplets, basically. You're the middle triplet. Basically, yeah, it, exactly. Um, my sister and brother actually have the same birthday three years oh, apart, wow. and I'm in the middle. <laughs> yeah, so we were all very close in age. Um, and, you know, he, he always was a bit delayed, um, but it wasn't obvious right off the bat. Um, 
uh, because he wasn't as impacted. And back in the 90s, like they weren't diagnosing um, like they sure. do now. Sure. So um, it was kind of difficult to figure out what his needs were. But um, I remember, you know, being so close in age with him growing up that um, social uh, challenges were the biggest barrier for him. Um, and we always went to kind of the same schools. So um, it, I was there as the big sister and it, it seemed like there was a bigger age gap than there actually was. Um, but it was, I was able to kind of be that support as we grew up together. So that was pretty neat. So at about what age do you remember? Do you remember when he was diagnosed? Was it through um, so the school was, districts or? Yeah, going through the school districts. Um, and they tested him for everything under the sun until they came to that. But um, there weren't the, the supports there that there are now. Um, they didn't have access to ABA services. Mm -hmm. um, and so he, he got speech and adapted PE um, and... Um, that was basically it. So um, my family was kind of just figuring it out as we went along. Sure, because there wasn't that availability. You know, I know Southern California, mm -hmm. you know, sort of late 90s, early 2000s is when the regional center really kind of kicked off. But, you know, depending on, you know, sort of what county you lived in at the time, you really didn't know what kind of services you were getting. Mm -hmm. So it was probably pretty common that, you know, families like you were probably more reliant on the school district than, than right. anything, or obviously to sort of go out of pocket and find some mm -hmm. sort of private private programming. But back then, I mean, I know it's not a, a ton of time ago, but it just sort of showed you how sort of still in the infancy we are in this this um, this industry. Uh, there wasn't a, there wasn't a ton of options out there, you know. So mm -hmm. that's you know that that's you know it's good that at least there was something at, at the, the the school to to give him and you guys sort of that that relief or sort of some level of help. Yeah, yeah, it it was hard. I mean, going through the, the IEP, I remember knowing what an IEP was when I was, you know, like kid, eight, yeah. nine years old. Um, but a lot of uh, the pressure was put back on my parents for yeah. their parenting style. It's like, you know, the behavior issues were because you need to be harder on him in, at home sure. or, um, you know, they would send him home. Um, he'd get suspended for, I think he... He bit a teacher once. Okay. But yeah, <laughs> it's, you know, yeah, so those things came up. <laughs> not an easy time. Yeah. So for you, uh, you know, obviously you ended up diving into this, this industry. Did you know mm -hmm. sort of early on that like, hey, I want to be someone that, that helps or did it sort of just sort of happen by accident or... It kind of just happened. Um, it wasn't my intent at all. I I was actually kind of trying to run away from it because sure. I was like, this is my life. This has been my yeah. life. Um, working with him um, and through high school, I was always involved in his Boy Scouts and all of that. Um, 
And so going into college, I was like, I'm going to be a dancer. Okay. Be a dancer. So yeah. I went to school to be a dancer. Um, and so I got my bachelor's in dance and uh, minored in teaching. Um, and the economy was what it was in 2009. And I decided to go to grad school to be a teacher and um, ended up nannying um, for a family who had a, a, a child who um was highly impacted on the okay. spectrum. And so um, that kind of like led me back to it. Drew, drew you back yeah. in. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, oh yeah, I do really love this. Um, and meanwhile, I was working with my my brother as he was transitioning out of like teenage life into adulthood. So that was kind of happening about the same time where I was like, oh, okay, this is the world of autism again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, at that point, it probably felt like a very different landscape so you know when you mm -hmm. kind of cycle back into it later you know maybe there was resources now that you probably weren't aware of 10-15 years prior to that and, and maybe that did yeah. make it a little easier for you to dip your toe in, into this this pool of uh, you know the, the service the service portion so it's interesting yeah. how that sort of came full full circle <laughs> yeah. for you yeah um is it something that you now currently in your in your professional life, is it something that you um, bring up when it uh, when you're working with with families, or is it something that you sort of let evolve more naturally? Um, I think it depends on the family and um, the circumstances that they're dealing with um, in that part of their child's life. Um, I think it is definitely relevant with some families as they're making decisions about, um, about uh, services and about how independent they're expecting their child to be. Um, and also just uh, when families are like, I don't know what to expect with from my child when he is 18 plus years old. Like, I don't know, I've been told that he'll get to this point, but not further. Mm -hmm. And they kind of like tamper their expectations sure. and um, kind of make a, assumptions that um, once they hit adulthood, that that's the end of the learning opportunities, which is yeah. not the case. So I do kind of bring it in when it's like, hey, um, adult, you know, adulthood is not the end of learning, um, but there there does need to be some planning involved. Yeah, I mean, that's what we had a conversation that was last week's episode that, you know, sort of focused on uh, at 14, you know, the um, Jennifer who was on last week, you know, for, what did she think uh, her son's 20s were going to look like when he was 14? Mm -hmm. It became very different at 18 and 19 in, in a positive way. Yeah. She thought he was possibly headed down, you know, more of a restrictive environment sort of that sort of future when in mm -hmm. reality you know things clicked for him and, and changed yeah. a little bit and he went down a more of an independence route um, mm -hmm. and she really really stressed the idea of changing expectations so I'm really glad you, you, yeah. you touched on that because I think it is a very crucial crucial point you know and and I think going back to my my time when I you know I was interacting with with families I know just from a personal standpoint, I feel like I got a little bit more um, street cred. I don't know if that's the right word. Once mm -hmm. I had my own children. Now, yeah. neurotypically neuro neuro de developing children, but it's easier to have a conversation with a family about sort of 
caregiver guidance and, and all those things when at least mm -hmm. you're a parent. So I know yeah. for, for, from, from your standpoint, it probably is a little bit easier to have those, those conversations and it probably does mm -hmm. create a little bit more, um, you know, brings more weight to, to your advice for, for, yeah. for those families, I, I would imagine. Absolutely. Yeah. Because I mean, I don't have my own kids yet. And so um, going through the years that I've been it, as a supervisor level, as a BCBA, um, you know, as a 20 something year old, parents are looking at you going, who, who are you? Who are you to tell me what to do with my teenager? Yeah. Um, so it, it does definitely help um, for parents to know that like it, you get, it's a different perspective, definitely, especially when it's um, family. So, yeah. Yeah, you know, and I think obviously there are a lot of people involved in the, the ABA world mm -hmm. or the autism sort of advocacy world who are parents, you know, or yeah. or siblings because it just, it becomes something that you, you wanna, I went through this, what can I do with my life experience mm -hmm. to then go help these folks? And I'm sure that's a common, common thing across, you know, different, different aspects of, of society as well. But I think it does feel like it's a, it, it's a common thing that most people that fall into this world didn't really fall into it. They had some level of exposure that opened their eyes to the, to the need. Um, so, you know, I think that's an important thing. You know, I, I, I'm just someone that fell into it myself and really enjoyed the, the, the people and I kind of stuck with it. So I, I, yeah. I am one of those ones uh, that sort of just didn't know what ABA was until someone told me, oh no, you've been doing that for you know, a couple, <laughs> couple of months now, that sort of thing. So, you know, you're, you're probably a little bit, little bit different than, than me. Um, so now as an adult, you know, I, I, I know, you know, I, I don't think you guys live in the same zip code or, or anything like mm -hmm. that, but sort of like as a, as a sibling, you know, what are you and your, your sister sort of, what is your role currently, uh, you know, as mm -hmm. maybe your parents get a little bit older or, or that sort of thing, what do you guys see um, as the, the sort of the next phase for, for you guys? Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> um, he, my brother currently lives with my sister in Michigan, actually, because oh, okay. um, my family is out there. And so um, it's been like right now, there's a bit of a long distance support going on. It's like um, I've over the past several years since he's lived with her, because um, initially we were all in California and yeah. he was living with my parents. And so when they moved, they were like, we need to create some space between mom and dad and him um, to give him that opportunity for independence. But he wasn't quite ready to be living like on his sure. own. Um, so it worked out just situation, you know, my sister ended up moving, she had an extra room. So he rents a bedroom um, with okay. my sister and her husband. And um, I'm there as like, support from a distance um sure. my sister called me up i don't know what's going on. like tell me what to do here um so you're doing telehealth so basically yeah yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> um and and we're at that point now where it's like okay um he's been in the same job um okay. for about four years now okay. which is pretty 
staying good because it took sure. them some losing a few jobs to figure it yeah. out. Um, and so now it's that point where my sister um, is maybe she's like, do we want to stay in the same place long term? If not, do you want to give him the opportunity now that like I'm in Portland kind of newly and now have a house where like if he wanted to come out and live with us, we want to give him the opportunity to make those choices for himself. Yeah. Do want to so um, we're kind of at that stage right now. We're giving him the opportunity to decide if he wants to stay in Michigan long term or come out to Portland. Are, are there decent support systems for him in Michigan, like from a sort of services standpoint as, you know, obviously family support? No, not really. Um, not really. Um, he kind of, we, we all lucked out with his current job situation. Um, he works at Walgreens and they've been wonderful. Um, and they have their own um, internal training system um, for employees working with under, other individuals on the spectrum. And okay. so they've been super supportive, even though he's not in a specific program per se. Um, but he doesn't really have any other supports right now. Um, although we are working on getting him um, mental health support because okay. um, depression and anxiety are definitely sure, uh, more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So touching on the Walgreens, uh, I think that's an interesting you know, point you brought up. It's something that Jennifer actually mentioned last oh, yeah. week as well. You guys would be, you guys should be friends. Uh, <laughs> you, have a lot, you have a lot to chat about. Uh, so is that something where he would be able to you know, do a job transfer and, and, and stay within the organization yeah. to, to Portland? Yeah, he could. And and actually, he has done a job transfer once before in Michigan because my sister was um, further upstate initially when they moved and then they moved further downstate. And so he was able to stay with Walgreens, um, which we were super happy about because he That's really, really cool. likes it. Yeah, that's really cool. Mm -hmm. And obviously, you know, it looks a little different. The people are different, but sort of mm -hmm. probably the process and the sort of, the, you know, the overall job is very similar. So it's yeah. it for a, a, not that moving and all that would be an easy transition, but mm -hmm. obviously that creates, you know, he doesn't have to go in and interview and learn a whole new thing. It's right. more or less the, the same, the same job. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. You know, and I think that's something, you know, if, um, if we had a magic wand, you know, sort of that what, what, what could we do? And I, I think one of my magic wand things would be, how do we create more employment opportunities for, you know, mm -hmm. this, this, this group of adults? Cause I, I think yes. it is, it is limited. It's growing. Um, I think with better awareness and, and more corporate support, you could have some real programs. The problem becomes some of the vocational training is, is lacking. So did he have access to sort of vocational services, whether it was through the school district or, no. or that sort of thing. So no, I didn't. No, it was all, yeah, family. Um, and some lessons learned the hard way <laughs> along yeah. the way. Um, but he, he he actually started out his first job out of high school is working at the local grocery store. Um, yeah. And my sister actually also worked at that grocery store. And so she was kind of a support for him there and helped we as a family helped to, to guide the managers to better understand him um, but also to hold him accountable because like there were definitely some things that like they had to call him in and, and talk to him and so um, they had to learn how to how to talk to him where they wouldn't trigger an emotional sure. response um, but at the same time it's like I was like 
really be clear with him um, because he needs to know. <laughs> he really needs to know so that he won't do it again. But yeah. um, there were definitely, it was a learning opportunity. <laughs> what about from like a, a social life standpoint? Um, yeah. Is that something he's been able to carve out for himself? Um, so he did better in California um, because he was able to um, build some really, really great friendships in high school. Um, and a lot of other, um, those kids also on the spectrum. Um, and so it was a really, really great, great group. They stuck together right out of high school and they still are in contact somewhat um, remote you know, um, they still play online games together sure. and things like that, but it's been hard in Michigan um, for him to build a network there. Um, and so that actually is one of my biggest concerns for him right now is being yeah. able to build a network. And so that's where um, us giving him the option to potentially come Portland. to Oregon, um, yeah. where there might be more opportunity close by, um, that's kind of triggered the conversation a little bit. Yeah. Okay. I'll put that on the magic wand list as, as well. You know, I think it's, yeah. it's, it's really hard because then you, you bring up, you know, sort of the comorbid issues and, mm -hmm. and depression and obviously, you know, those sorts of things are going to feed upon each, you know, yeah. feed upon each other as well. So that becomes, mm -hmm. that becomes a real issue. Obviously you can medicate and do those sort of things, but the yeah. ability to, to sort of build out a, a friend network and, and have stuff to do on a Friday night or, you know, whatever right. it might be is, is, is an important thing for someone, you know, as I'm assuming he's late twenties, you know, kind of, mm -hmm. kind of guy, you know, that's, that's sort of yeah. what you, what you'd want, um, yeah. you know, to have access to. So, you know, I, I we, we have so much energy and resource and focus on the young, the young kids. And obviously that's mm -hmm. very important because you want to be able to get to a point where there's, there's more access to, you know, in the classroom and, and you know, sort of all those things, mm -hmm. but there is a real drop-off, you know, and I think that yeah. is a problem in our, in our industry. And I don't think it's for a lack of people wanting to help. It's just really a lack of how do you, how do you actually make it something that can be, you know, funded and, and, mm -hmm. you know, put out there. And, Obviously, there's a lot of donations and volunteer and, and all those sorts of things, but that's not always a sustainable way of really creating that that lasting change as it relates to sort of these these issues that you've you've brought up in terms of employment and socialization and dating and mm -hmm. you know all, all those things that you'd love for everyone who wants access to them to have them. So um, if you could just fix that, I think we'd be all set. Yeah, yeah. Just wave that magic wand. Magic wand, um, you know. Yep. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to go yep. and get one of those. Uh, I don't know where <laughs> they are, but I gotta go. I gotta go find one because I, my list is growing. You know, yeah. my list is growing. But I think it's great. You know, and, and you know, for people like you to to take your personal experience and then turn that into professional, um, just you know that that the professional toolbox that you now have to go out and and help people because the future is, is I have a 15 year old and an 11 year old. It's, it's a scary unknown for, for me, you know, but I can mm -hmm. put sort of some, my finger on a few sort of things that I'm pretty sure they'll be able to do. If, you know, if, if the, the, if the things were reversed, you know, you don't know if that's, that's really the case. And I think for families, that's sort of hitting adolescence can probably be a very scary, scary time for, for them and their families. Oh yeah. It's, um, adolescence is, <laughs> 
it's like you, not only are you dealing with puberty like right. any normal teenager um adding on just so so much uncertainty about what after high school is going to look like what um what rate they're going to be picking up skills how much support they're still going to need um in a lot of ways my brother surprised me I mean, like the things that he picked up as an adult, I'm like, the day that he did his taxes by himself, I was like, hallelujah. That's right. uh, <laughs> and he remembered to do it. And it was like, yeah. after years of like, you know, let's talk this through. Let's, and, and those types of things where it's like, you know, when the first day that he, he called me because he remembered it was my birthday. And I think okay. he was maybe 17, 18. And I was like, um and so like those are the things where they're big moments um but you just don't know when they're 13 14 years old all the time like how much um whether they're going to develop those skills at 17 at 25 at 30 um because they still might come it just might yeah. take more time <laughs> yeah yeah well sally that went really fast um i i, I uh <laughs> I always look down and it's like, well, the, the clock, because it, it goes, it goes so quick. And, you know, I, I appreciate you. Um, you know, obviously it's been great to work with you and I, I'm so glad to see how much it's expanded up in, in your, your neck of the woods. Cause mm -hmm. when you came on, there was, there was a very, very small market. Uh, there's a lot of, a lot of work to be done, a lot of work to be done up there. So um, I'm, I'm glad you decided to, to come work with us and, you know, and thank you for for joining us today and sharing a little bit about you know your your personal life and I, I know that's something that uh, is is important and it's really great for people to be able to to share those stories so so thanks again um, come back anytime we love to love to have you and just kind of chat maybe about some something cool we're doing up in Portland or you know if if your yeah. brother does end up moving and you, yeah. you you create that new social pod you can tell us tell us all about it so I will okay so <laughs> thank thanks you. again and, and thank you out there for, for listening to another episode of ABA Unfiltered uh, we'll be back next week or the week after that whatever it ends up being and uh, we'll talk to you then thanks everybody. Mm -hmm.